Chapter Seven of Captain William Kidd and Others of the Buccaneers by John S. C. Abbott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seven: The Close of Steed Bonnet's Career. Bonnet's abandonment by Blackbeard avails himself of the king's pardon, takes commission as a privateer, rescues Blackbeard's pirates, piratic career, enters Cape Fear River for repairs, captured by Colonel Rhett the conflict escapes from prison the pursuit and trial and sentence it will be remembered that steed bonnet was deposed by blackbeard when blackbeard abandoned most of his crew at ocracoke inlet and landed others on a desert island that he might rob them of their share of the spoil bonnet was left behind with the rest his own sloop the revenge was ashore he put her off assumed the command manned her with pirates and sailed to Battown, where he surrendered himself taking advantage of the king's proclamation and received a certificate of pardon just then war broke out between england france and holland as allies on the one hand and spain upon the other bonnet sailed from Battown for the island of st thomas to get a commission to go privateering against the spaniards when he was on his way to the inlet he accidentally learned from two of the pirates that blackbeard and his gang were gone and that carrying away all the money and effects of value they had left several men to perish on a desert island bonnet sailed for their relief they were nearly starved and had been a day and two nights without any food bonnet found the island and rescued them adding them to his crew then instead of going to st thomas for his commission he directed his course to the coast of virginia meeting a vessel loaded with provisions he took from it twelve barrels of pork and four hundred weight of bread assuming that he was an honest man and not a pirate he gave in return eight casks of rice and an old cable no bargain was made he took what he wanted and gave what he pleased two days after this bonnet pursued and captured a sloop of sixty tons it was an act of unmitigated piracy he took from his prize two hogheads of rum and two of molasses the crew were turned adrift eight men were sent to take charge of the prize in the night they ran away to go pirating on their own account bonnet threw off all restraint assuming the name of captain thomas he ranged the seas plundering every vessel he encountered a few miles off from cape henry he captured two ships from virginia bound to glasgow they were comparatively valueless prizes containing only tobacco the next day he captured a small sloop with the strange inconsistency which marked his character he took from the sloop twenty barrels of pork which he replaced by two barrels of rice and a hogshead of molasses from this sloop two men voluntarily joined his company the next ship they captured was bound to glasgow from virginia they found nothing on board they wanted but some combs pins and needles for these bonnet paid a barrel of pork and two barrels of bread directing his course toward philadelphia he captured a schooner bound to boston it proved a barren prize soon after this he took three vessels two bound from philadelphia to bristol england and one to barbados in these bonnet found nearly a thousand dollars in coin he robbed them and let them go the two last days in july he captured two quite rich prizes they were well supplied with provisions and had between two and three thousand dollars in money on board 
he turned the crews adrift in their boats and kept both the vessels and cargo his own sloop of war which he had renamed the royal james had become leaky and needed repairs he ran into cape fear river to find some secluded cove where far from observation he could careen his vessel one hundred and fifty years ago this stream presented a vast solitude fringed by the dense and boundless forest as bonnet was entering the river he captured a small vessel which he ripped to pieces to mend his own in one of the coves of the broad stream he was detained two months in making repairs in the meantime a new governor had come to south carolina tidings reached charleston that a piratic vessel with two prizes was concealed up the river the whole community was alarmed fearing another visit the governor and council met to deliberate colonel william rhett appeared before them and generously offered to fit out two vessels at his own expense and attack the pirates his proposal was accepted and a commission granted him accordingly in a few days two sloops were equipped one called the henry had eight guns and seventy men and was commanded by captain john masters the other the sea nymph of eight guns and sixty men captain fazer hall commanded both were under the direction of colonel rhett on the fourteenth of september the two vessels sailed when they reached sullivan's island a small ship from antigua came in the captain brought the intelligence that just off the bar he was taken and plundered by a piratic vessel of twelve guns and ninety men commanded by charles vane that two other vessels had also been captured one from the coast of guinea with between ninety and a hundred negro slaves on board a pirate by the name of yates with twenty-five men had been placed in command of the slaver vane had also captured two ships bound from charleston to london colonel rhett upon hearing these tidings resolved to pursue vane it was rumored that the pirates had sailed south colonel rhett with his two sloops crossed the bar on the fifteenth of september and directed his course along the southern coast searching every bay and inlet not finding vane he turned north and entered cape fear river in pursuit of his first design in ascending the river both sloops ran aground which caused considerable delay thus the watchful pirates learned that there were two sloops aground in the river bonnet sent down three boats crowded with pirates to attack them the crew soon found their mistake and rowing hastily back to bonnet gave him the unwelcome news that two well-armed sloops were ascending the river with the evident design to attack him bonnet made immediate preparations for a battle he had several prisoners with him he wrote a letter to the governor entrusting it to one of these prisoners captain mannering it was as follows if the sloops now ascending the river are sent out against me by the governor i shall get clear off and i will burn and destroy all ships or vessels going in or coming out of south carolina what effect this letter had upon the governor we know not but the next morning the tide floated colonel rhett's sloops and he advanced to the attack the masts of the three piratical vessels were soon plainly seen over a forest-crowned point of land the sloops pressed forward to attack on each quarter of the pirate intending to board him bonnet perceiving this edged in as near the shore as possible the water was shoal and the tide being out soon both sloops ran upon sandbanks one was very near the royal james and could open fire upon her the other was at more than gunshot distance 
the pirate ship also grounded and fortunately for them careened over with her deck sloping from her foe thus the sides of the vessel afforded a rampart which protected the pirates from shot and over which they could take deliberate aim at their antagonists to add to this calamity the henry in which colonel rhett was and which had grounded within pistol-shot of the pirate leaned with her deck inclined toward the pirate thus every man was exposed this gave the pirates an immense advantage which they were not slow to improve neither of them could use their cannon for five hours the antagonists kept up a brisk fire with their small arms the pirates spread to the breeze their blood-red flag and assailed their foes with oaths taunts and insults why don't you come on board they shouted we are all waiting for you come as quick as you can we will give you the warmest reception you ever had rhett's men replied be patient we are busy just now very soon we will pay you a visit which you will never forget the rising tide first floated colonel rhett's sloop hastily repairing his rigging which had been much shattered by the fire he bore down upon the pirate intending to give a finishing stroke by boarding him the other sloop would in a few moments be afloat to join in the assault bonnet saw his case to be hopeless and sent a boat to colonel rhett bearing the white flag of truce after some time spent in capitulating bonnet was compelled to surrender unconditionally in the severe battle which had taken place ten men had been killed and fourteen wounded on board rhett's sloop the henry six of the wounded died of their wounds a few shot had struck the other sloop the sea nymph killing two men and wounding four the pirates protected by the position of their vessel lost seven killed and five wounded two of the latter soon died of their wounds colonel rhett weighed anchor on the thirteenth of september and on the third of october entered charleston with thirty-four pirates as prisoners and their vessels the capture excited great rejoicing throughout the whole province as there was no public prison on the shore the pirates were all kept for two days under a careful guard in the hold of one of the vessels the watch-house was in the meantime enlarged and strengthened and they were transferred to that building over which a guard of the provincial militia was placed major bonnet was committed into the custody of the marshal and imprisoned in a strong-room in his house two of these miserable men david harriet the sailing-master and ignatius pell the boatswain offered to turn state's evidence they were also taken to the house of the marshal that they might be separated from the rest of the crew they were carefully locked up and two sentinels every night patrolled the house with loaded muskets three weeks passed before suitable preparations could be made for the trial on the night of the twenty fourth of october bonnet and his sailing-master made their escape the boatswain refused to go with them as he was assured of pardon in consideration of the evidence he bore against his comrades the flight of the prisoners made a great noise throughout the province the people were open in their indignant declaration that the governor and others of the magistracy had connived in their escape the whole community was panic-stricken it was feared that bonnet would get up another company of pirates and take a terrible revenge for the hanging of his comrades the government was alarmed both by the reproaches and the peril 
a proclamation was issued offering a reward of three thousand five hundred dollars for the capture of the fugitive pirate several armed boats were sent to skirt the shore north and south in pursuit of him bonnet had in some way got on board a small sailboat in the harbor and put to sea but a storm arose and he had no provisions he was therefore compelled to put back to sullivan's island in some way the governor got an intimation of this he promptly communicated the intelligence to colonel rhett and gave him a commission to pursue bonnet that night the energetic colonel set out in his sloop with a number of men for sullivan's island the two pirates had left their boat at the shore and wandered into the woods where they had concealed themselves colonel rhett tracked them to their covert they were discovered in a thicket with a negro and an indian as they endeavored to escape they were fired upon a bullet pierced harriet's heart and he fell dead both the negro and the indian were struck down severely wounded the wretched bonnet seeing escape hopeless and utterly disheartened surrendered he was carried back to charleston in irons on the twenty eighth of october seventeen eighteen a court of vice-admiralty was held and continued by several adjournments until the twelfth of november nicholas trott chief justice of the province of south carolina presided with other assistant judges before this tribunal bonnet and thirty-four of his crew were arraigned the indictment enumerated the various acts of piracy which they had committed all but two pleaded not guilty there was but little defence attempted the crew pleaded that they had been taken off a desert island and shipped to go to st thomas being at sea without provisions and in a starving condition they were compelled to save their lives to take some food from other vessels major bonnet took the same ground that they had helped themselves to food which did not belong to them but as the only way by which they could save their lives but their piratic acts were clearly proved and that they had shared among themselves their ill-gotten booty the speech of the lord chief justice in pronouncing sentence upon bonnet was so admirable in tone that it deserves with slight abbreviation insertion here you steed bonnet stand convicted of piracy it is fully proved that you piratically took and rifled no less than thirteen vessels since you sailed from north carolina having accepted the king's act of grace and pretended to leave that wicked course of life you know that the crimes you have committed are contrary to the law of nature as well as to the law of god by which you are commanded that you shall not steal and the apostle paul expressly affirms that thieves shall not inherit the kingdom of god to theft you have added the greater sin of murder how many you have killed in your piracies i know not but this we know that you killed no less than eighteen persons of those sent by lawful authority to put a stop to your rapines however you may fancy that that was killing men fairly in open fight yet this know that the power of the sword not being committed into your hands you were not empowered to use any force or fight any one therefore those persons that fell in the action in doing their duty to their king and country were murdered and their blood now cries out for vengeance against you for it is the voice of nature confirmed by the law of god that whosoever sheddeth man's blood by man shall his blood be shed 
and consider that death is not the only punishment due to murderers for they are threatened to have their part in that lake which burneth with fire and brimstone which is the second death as your own conscience must convince you of the many and great evils you have committed by which you have highly offended god so i suppose i need not tell you that the only way of obtaining pardon and the remission of your sins from god is by a true and unfeigned repentance and faith in christ by whose death and passion you can alone hope for salvation you being a gentleman and having had the advantage of a liberal education i believe it will be needless for me to explain to you the nature of repentance and faith in christ they are so fully mentioned in the scriptures that you can not but know them but considering the course of your life i have reason to fear that the principles of religion which had been instilled into you by your education have been corrupted if not entirely defaced by the infidelity of this wicked age and that the time you allowed for study was rather applied to the polite literature than to a serious search after the law and will of god in the scriptures is found the great mystery of fallen man's redemption they would have taught you that sin is the debasing of human nature and that religion and walking by the laws of god are altogether preferable to the ways of sin and satan i hope that the present afflictions which god has laid upon you have now convinced you of this and consider how he invites all sinners to come to him and he will give them rest for he has assured us that he came to seek and save that which was lost and that whosoever cometh to him he will in no wise cast out so that now even at the eleventh hour if you will sincerely turn to him he will receive you but do not mistake the nature of repentance to be only bare sorrow for the evil and punishment which sin has brought upon you your sorrow must arise from the consideration of your having offended a gracious and merciful god but i need not give you any particular directions as to the nature of repentance i speak to one whose offences have proceeded not so much from his not knowing as from his slighting and neglecting his duty i only heartily wish that what in compassion to your soul i have now said may have that effect upon you that you may become a true penitent having now discharged my duty to you as a christian by giving you the best counsel i can with respect to the salvation of your soul i must now do my office as a judge the sentence which this court awards to you is that you steed bonnet shall go from hence to the place whence you came and from thence to the place of execution where you shall be hanged by the neck until you are dead and may god have mercy upon you on saturday november eighth seventeen eighteen twenty-two of the pirates were hung upon the same gallows at white point near the provincial city of charleston a few days after steed bonnet the gentleman of wealth position and culture swung from the same gallows End of chapter seven